just wanted to say before we get on to that, that video there was actually really live done by some of our team and uh, at our botany campus. I don't know, there's like a, about 150 mouse traps and they did it a few times, so they've got sore fingers uh, as well at the moment. But hey, well, welcome to church, everybody. If you are here for the very first time, uh, my name is Daryl and, and with my wife, Denise, we're the lead pastors here and it's so exciting to have you with us today. And, and, and I'm just believing this is, this is what I think today, just in, in worship and uh, this morning. And, you know, we've been uh, back in the office is here for quite a few weeks, and, and there's something uh, about being inside this building today that is, is different to every other day of the week, and you know what? It's, it's you and giving your praises to God. This, is, this house is designed to be a place where it's full of praise to God uh, every day of the week, I believe, but Sundays especially when you all come, uh, when we come together as a family to give our God some praise, something special happens, eh? And, and can I encourage you that, uh, that, th- that every time you come through, through worship, or, or, or through a message is that's like, God, what are you wanting to say to me today? Because I believe that, that God is real, He's alive, and He wants a relationship with, with each one of us. And He's got, he's got some uh, tools for us, He's got some wisdom for us, He's got healing for us, He's got inspiration for us, He's got provision for each one of us. So, so fantastic. So, so hopefully, uh, we've just got maybe a couple of weeks of these restrictions and we're around the 100s, but, but you guys have done fantastic to register and come, and, and you can invite some more people to come next week, I think. I think we could have a few more here as well, eh? But so, so good. Everybody's a little bit quiet, though. You need to pick up the pace a little bit, be a little bit noisy, though. Even a, even a, even if you, I was going to say you could cough and sneeze just to keep me some noise, but don't cough and sneeze in here at the moment. Wait till next week. Hey, well, so, so today is, is, is actually part three of our series called It's a Trap. Uh, and it's been online for the last couple of weeks there, and we've uh, looked at through some of the messages online around, uh, around the things that trap us in life. Uh, and this morning, I, I want to talk about a thing called comparison. Comparison and, and how that affects us and, and how that affects each one of us in, in different areas of our life. Because, because the thing is today that comparison is all about us comparing ourselves to someone else. Uh, and, and maybe whether that's even physically or, or the, the jobs that they have. Or, but also, I've, I've kind of realized lately that, that we also compare our journeys to other people. Yeah. It's like, why did they get it so easy? And we're, we're five years trying to get there. Why, why are they able to step into it like just like that and, and I'm waiting years? Well, this morning we're going to have a look at that whole topic of comparison and how we can kind of break through or break into something new and fresh from the Lord today. But the scripture that we're going to put all this series around together is it's a great scripture. If you're not a Bible person or maybe a church person, you're here new, we have it on the big screen there. But this scripture in Hebrews 12 verse 1, it says this, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything, that one that hinders us, uh, and, and the sin that so easily too entangles us. And number three, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The truth is, is that in life, there's things that snare us, that entangle us, and they're like a trap that stop us from running the race that stop you from running the race that God has for you. Come on, why don't we pray just quickly right now. Father, Lord, I thank you that you're here, O God. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and 
Lord, uh, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Oh, give us eyes to see. Father, I pray for some downloads into our hearts, into our spirits this morning, oh God, that, that Lord Jesus, that the very thing that we are needing to hear this morning, oh God, or the very thing we're needing to feel this morning, the very thing we're needing to see this morning, oh God, Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, will you do it today? In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. So I, I don't know about you, but hands up here if you're into fishing. I, I love my fishing. I love, especially fishing on the boat, lots of fisher people here today. Uh, I, I love fishing on the boat, but, but one of the biggest issues that we have as fishermen uh, is, is that Every, every time you go fishing, and we go, we've been fishing up around the Waiheke Island, it's beautiful, up around the Coromandel, it's just incredible, but one of the biggest issues that we have as fishermen is the biggest is always the best. And, and so if I catch a fish, you're going to catch a fish, and you hope it's bigger than my fish, and, and, and the reality is that we're always comparing our fish to each other's fish, right, because biggest is best. Now, now the one person you don't want to go fishing with is a guy called Pastor Luke, he's my boss. Now, now he, he's an incredible fisherman. He actually thinks like a fish because every time you go fishing with him, if I catch a really good one and think, wow, that's amazing, he will always catch one that's bigger. Every single time I've been fishing with him, he catches the biggest fish. And in fact, if, if, if you ever, he ever come to your house and you have one of those ponds with the goldfish in there, he will catch the biggest one. No matter what, whether there's water, there's fish, he will always catch the biggest fish. Uh, and, and Pastor Luke has this knack of being able to catch one bigger than mine every single time. And, and so, so I've stopped comparing with him now because, because what happens is comparison, when you compare, uh, it takes away your joy. And Pastor Luke, when we go fishing, he takes away my joy every time. <laughs> but the truth is exactly that. Comparison is a thief of joy. Comparison will steal the joy from your life if we continue to do it, if we continue to what, measure ourselves against other people. And, and the reality is if you're the, you're the same as me, uh, you know, we do that in all areas of our life about, wow, that would be really nice to have. I wish I had the, what they had. Uh, I, I'm, I wish I had the job that that person's got. And, and, and compared to the job that I have, it's not as good as theirs, is what we say sometimes. And, and, and one of the great, I think one of the things, and now if you're into a gym person, you know why they have all those big mirrors in the gym? It's for you to stand in front of it. Although I know there's gym guys here because they're all going quiet right now. But the, the reason you have those big mirrors in the gym is because you stand in front of it and you do all your, your poses like that. And then there's someone else standing right beside you. He's like, I'm bigger, I've got bigger muscles than you. And he's doing it like this as well. And so you can compare your muscles to everybody else, not to see what you've got. <laughs> but the reality is, I think, in human nature, that's what we, what we tend to do. We have this thing inside our humanity that always seems to want to compare ourselves to someone else. Like, are we good enough? Can I really do it? Is, is my business better than theirs or is it worse than theirs? And, and I think one of the things that we, that we always seem to do, there's two results that happen to us when we compare. The first thing is that, that it can cause us to maybe get a little bit arrogant, maybe get a little bit proud and think we are the best of the best. And, and then the opposite is also true, is that comparison can also cause us to slip away to step back, to lose our confidence, 
to maybe let fear into our lives because we're not as good as that. And this morning, I really want us to tackle this issue because, because our scripture that we just looked at says about a race, about perseverance to run a race that is designed for us. I interpret that, that us is to you. It, it, it's like, like the track that the athletes run around is running in your lane, not zigzagging across the lanes or running in someone else's lane, but learning to run your race with perseverance. The race that, get this, that has been set out for you by the Lord, by God. See, we're not called to run anyone else's race. We're not called to, to run anyone else's race the way they run. We can learn things from other people, but when we kind of decide that, hey, the way they do it, that, that's what I'm going to be. And you can sell yourself short by running someone else's race. So, so my whole thought this morning is this. Run your race. Be you. Don't be anyone else. Stay in your lane. And, and, and this morning, it's amazing to see that, that, that someone once said this. Someone once said that, that the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. The fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. And see, by nature, comparison, it devalues who you were created to be because it implies that you're not unique. When you compare, when we have this comparison in there, by nature, it devalues who you are because it says you're not unique. It's better to be like that. And right now, I, I want to tell you that, that this morning, and maybe look this way, you are special. You are unique. You are valuable. You're handpicked by God. He designed the race for you. He's got everything you need to run that race. Sometimes there's hurdles, but keep going. Sometimes it's hard. He'll be with you. Run your race. Develop the strength of perseverance in, in your life. Because what happens is that, is, is that when we decide to run someone else's race, when we try to be like someone else, it, it breeds complacency. Breeds it. Uh, when, when we're no longer happy with what we have, it, it destroys our contentment in what we have. When we, when we base that on what other people's approval and what other people think about us, it kills our confidence. And, and, and so really, as, as I th thought about this thought of, of comparison, one of the greatest traps that I think I've experienced in my own life is to look everywhere else except to look to my source for who I am and who is created to me to be. The Bible has some, has some great stories and some great uh, amazing people in the Bible that we can learn from. And today we're going to take one snippet of the Apostle Paul and his life. And, and he's got a fantastic scripture here and, because he discovered something uh, that is like an antidote for comparison for us. And it's called this word com, uh, contentment. He, he discovered what it is to be content in his life. Uh, and, and I think today... There's something about being content where you're so secure and happy with who you are and what God has entrusted with you that you don't have to 
compare yourself to anyone else. It's like a new default position. And and Paul says this in Philippians 4, uh, verse 11 and 13. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content with whatever the circumstances. Paul said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, because I can do all things through him who gives me strength. But whether you've got lots or whether you've got little, Paul said, you can find contentment in there. Whether you are hungry or whether you are well-fed, there's a contentment that you can discover. In every circumstance you face, every situation that is coming up, Paul was saying, he's learned some secrets to find contentment where you don't need to compare anymore. It's amazing when we discover what contentment is because one of the first things I think that contentment shows us or or tells us is that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's to remember that. To remember that you are made, you are created, firstly in the image of God. Fearfully and wonderfully made. At at home, a few years ago, and I think I might have mentioned this story before, but I I, I like to to make things and and with with wood and a bit of furniture. And a few years ago, Denise said, uh, as she sold our dining room table, so we were eating off the floor, because we're not quite, but we were. We was, uh, and, and she said, why don't you make a dining room table? I thought, yeah, that's a good place to start. I could smash this out, a dining room table, easy. So after work for a few hours, I, I found a plan off the internet and, and I started making this, this table and it was come up really good. I'm really proud of it. It has, about, has some bench seats and it's, it can sit about 10 people, so it's a good size one. And every time someone comes over to our house, uh, they will say, wow, what a great table. Where did you get that from? And so, wow, I say. I come from my garage. You, you can't buy it from any shop in the whole wide world. And there's no shop on the planet that has this table. And I know that because I made it. It's a one of a kind. You're a one of a kind. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Unique. And I just wonder how often or how much that we could understand that with all our different things in our lives, that we are wonderfully, fearfully made with a plan and a purpose in mind, that you're a one of a kind. The, the other thing contentment teaches us is that we do, we all have different strengths and weaknesses. We all do, but, but we tend to like to measure ourselves against other people and other things. And, and, and when, we, when we start to do that, we discover that, well, well we, either, we either head one way or the other way well, of, of positivity or of strength or our weaknesses. But understanding that we have them both, I think, is really important to finding contentment because it's okay. It's okay to be strong in some things and a bit weaker in the other things. The Word of God says is that we can find His grace and His strength in our weaknesses. And I wonder if that's, you know, you know when you're struggling with something or when, the, when you feel a bit weak in some areas, when you call out to the name of the Lord, it's like when, when you're weak, when He comes and pours His grace and His strength on you, it, it, it actually empowers you and gives you strength. But when we know when we're strong in some areas, 
sometimes we can kind of cruise along and just do our thing because we're good at this. But here, in finding contentment, uh, Paul is all is saying that there's grace for you, there's strength for you in your weaknesses. It's found in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. It says, My grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest upon him. Notice here it doesn't say to hide our weaknesses. To like keep them secret or private. It says that he will, when we, when we talk about our weaknesses, when we maybe ask for help in our weaknesses, that Christ's power will come and, and help you. It says, verse 10, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. That sounds fun. But the truth is, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So your weaknesses are really an opportunity for God's strength in your life. I think also contentment helps us to choose compliments over comparison. Choosing compliments over comparison because complimenting others keeps us from complaining. I've got a little white fluffy dog called Spot. He's about 14 years old. And when I compare him to other dogs, it makes me complain. It really does. This, this, this dog is, is, I was going to say, driving me a bit crazy even at the moment. He's 14. He's like, a, he's like an old 90-year-old man, so you've got to do all sorts of things for him. And at the moment, he has tablets because he's got itchy skin. So you take him to the vet, which costs more than for me to go to the doctor, to the vet, and they said, just going to give this dog these tablets, and that'll help his itchiness. So, so you poke it down his throat, and you hold his mouth closed, and well, he swallows the tablet, but, but I've learned something about this dog, that he's starting to help me inwardly to discover compliments. Harry's doing that. Is when I've given him a tablet, I hold his head in my hands, and I start to compliment him. I said, you are the best dog in the world. You are such a fantastic, just amazing dog. You're the greatest dog that has ever lived. And he looks me right in the eyes. I think he's smiling if a dog could smile. But the reality is, is that if I don't compliment him, I'm going to complain. Uh, and when I complain, it affects me more inside because it makes you mad and frustrated about him. Uh, and so, so I've discovered something about finding contentment is, is that my default position can be complimenting others rather than complaining. It changes my whole inward being. Looking for compliments, trying to, to dig deep for compliments and trying to make that complimenting over complaining, uh, that compliments uh, do, does more for you inside than you realize. And, and the Word of God uh, says some amazing things uh, uh, in Scripture about complaining and not, not complaining. It says, Philippians 2.14, in everything you do, stay away from complaining and arguing. Wow. So that no one can speak a word of blame against you. Amazing. Being content also. Uh, I think one of the most important things to learn or the secrets for finding contentment is this, is that we need to rely on God's opinion rather than the opinion of others. Because the truth is often our own insecurity, our own insecurities will cause us to, to measure ourselves, to compare ourselves to others. And I think, I think if that you and I could 
could first and foremost always go to God's opinion about us, which is found in the Word of God, His dreams and His, his plans for us. Uh, if we could go there first rather than to social media, Instagram, WhatsApp, Snapchat, all of those places for people's opinion on us, I think if we could go to God first, it would change your tomorrow like nothing else. Why? Because his message is a message of love for you, that you were created, you're not a mistake, you are unique, you're a one of a kind. I think it would help us to each to grow in confidence and the abilities that he's given us. Someone else once said this, they said that, that we won't be distracted by comparison if we are so captivated by purpose. We won't be distracted by comparison if we are so captivated by purpose. And, and I want to say to you today, can, can you even right now, if you were to think about your life or imagine uh, your life now, what, what could it be if your default was living the purposes of God for your life uh, rather than comparing to other people or other things? You know, that God's purpose for your life will help you to find contentment, that that even so much so that you are captivated by his purpose for you, that comparison doesn't even come close. I wonder. And, and, and I'll spend a couple of weeks thinking about this. How can we do this? So I, I think the first thing, to not be distracted by comparison is this, is to keep your guard up. Keep your guard up. They teach boxers. They teach boxers when you're in a, in a match and in the ring to keep your guard up. Always, because when your guard is, is up, you're protected. But, but one of the things that happens with boxers is when they get tired or they get distracted or even frustrated at sometimes, they, sometimes their guard tends to drop. When the opponent sees your guard drop, they see an opportunity. And when your guard drops, they see an opportunity, what, to strike, to plan an attack. And so can I say today that the most important in our, in our lives, I think today and through these seasons as you walk through life is learning how to keep your guard up, to keep your guard strong in who you are and what God's asked you to do. And, and I think there's habits that will help you to grow stronger. And the first habit is this, is Bible study and prayer. Well, church, I'm unashamedly going to say, you've got to get into the Word of God. I've got to get into the Word of God more to find its truth and let the Word of God speak to you. The Word of God is this, is Jesus in the flesh. If you can get it into you daily, it will change your life. No doubt about it. The second habit that I think is, is really strong in our lives is the connection of other believers. You know, to, to find those friends and connections and, 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 and small groups is incredibly powerful. If you're not in a small group, there's some great things for you to join into after our service. But small groups is where someone knows your name and they will pray for you and stand with you. It's where you will discover freedom. The third thing is living a spirit-led life. It's like driving around in a mini and feeling like you're a V8. I was going to say Commodore or Falcon for those two kinds of people in the place. It's the power of God in your life, and it's available to each one of you. Can I say today, as we're coming out of this restriction, maybe that's your step today. How do you do it? This is, I'll tell you, after our service, we've got a prayer team that'll come up here. You ask them that you would love, love to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They will pray for you today. Today is your day. Why don't you do it? It's a habit that will help you to, to stop comparison. The fourth habit, I think, to be strong is this, is the giving of yourself, serving others. There's nothing more fulfilling in life 
than serving others. Aristotle said this, we are what we constantly do. And the truth is, is that your consistency over time will yield results. The second thing, second thing to, to not be distracted by comparison is this, is, is to speak words of life. Speak words of life. My, my dad, as you'll know, he passed away last year. And, but his story, if you've heard it, please just bear with me again. But my, 59 years ago in Christchurch, as a young man, my dad met a, a man who'd just arrived from the island of Guernsey up in the UK. Uh, he met him in Christchurch outside of a shoe shop, just on the street. This, this man didn't know anyone in New Zealand, so he, somehow he got talking to my dad and said, you should come to church, to my dad. My, my dad come from a dysfunctional family and uh, from a broken family as, as well, and, and he had really, really bad asthma. And so in those days in the 40s or probably 50s or 60s, not a whole lot of medication was a terrible, terrible thing. And so my dad goes to church with this guy he just met that day. Uh, and that guy then later on that day led him to the Lord. Uh, and, and, and it changed his whole life from that very day. Words of life will change your life, but here's the thing, they will change other people's lives as well. 59 years ago, my dad's life was changed. My life was changed through those words of life. My children has changed through 59 years ago from words of life, speaking words of life. I'm believing my children's children <laughs> through words of life will be. And then my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, the generations to come, the Bible talks about generations being impacted by your life today, by speaking words of life, speaking words of life. The last thing is this. We won't be distracted by comparison if we initiate a response. Team, you could come up now too. Initiate a response. What would you say right now if I said that the that you could change your life by doing this thing for 21 seconds every day. Here it is. It's Matthew 6, 19, 9, 14. 21 seconds it takes. We do this every day. It will change our lives. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord's prayer. It will change your tomorrow and the generations to come. I'm telling you today, 21 seconds praying the Lord's Prayer every day and doing what it tells us to. See, real life change, it only happens when we initiate a change in our lives. Not when we think about it. Not when we just talk about it. Because we can all want to change but keep living the same way and expect a different result. So what's your next step today? What is the next step today? What, what's the one thing right now that you could initiate to see a change in your life? Maybe it's stepping out in faith. Maybe it's being obedient today because all God expects you and I to do is to run your race with perseverance. To not get trapped by the things that entangle us and snare us, but, but to do our very best to run our race that He's designed.
for each one of us. Come on, why don't you close your eyes right now? We're, we're going to come to a close in a few minutes and Denise is going to come and give us some instructions shortly. But, but right now, I believe that God is just speaking to some hearts. That, what's, he, what's He putting like His finger on or highlighting today? You know what? He didn't come to condemn us. He didn't come to scare us or make us afraid. He came to give us freedom and to give us life. And today, I, I just sensed that it was like those things that are highlighted in our lives, where we compare ourselves and it makes us, it, it makes us sink down or we lose our confidence. It's like I could just see that He was coming in today and He was just going to put His arm around you and say, come on, I'll, I'll walk with you through this. I'll show you some things so you can conquer this, so you can see victory in this. Father God, today, I pray, will you speak real clear? Lord, will you help us and guide us? Lord, as people commit their, these traps that they are in, Father God, to you, I thank you that you're a saviour and a restorer. Wave your eyes closed. Maybe you're here today too. And you say, Daryl, it's, it's, I, I, I've been a church person for a long time, or, or maybe this is my first day in church today, and, and, and I don't even know what it is to, to know God. Or, can I say today that, that we would love to help you on that journey? And it, and it all starts with making that decision, like stepping over a line and saying, today, God, I'm going to give my life to you. It's not something that is that is heavy or it's not religion, it's relationship. God wants a relationship with you. And, and so if that's you here today, all, all I'm gonna do is no one looking around and, and I'm gonna pray a real simple prayer. And, and if that's you this morning, I just want you to just pray this prayer, just silently in your heart after me. Pray this, pray, dear God, today I choose to give my life to you. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I don't want to be separated from you anymore, but I want to live my life for you. Thank you that you died on a cross for me, paying my debt, but you rose again victorious that I might be free. So today, I say yes to you, Jesus. So every eye is still closed. Did you pray that prayer and really meant it in your heart? And I'm not going to pick anyone out or embarrass anybody right now, but we'd love to help you on that journey. And all I want you to do is to simply, just a, I'm going to count to three and on three, just put your hand up and straight down. It's like a faith step to say yes to Jesus. One, two, three. Why don't you